Good morning, good day, and good evening. Welcome to episode 183 of Tech of a T. I'm as always your host, Brody Robertson, and today we have a guest who you may have never heard speak before, but if you're involved at all in the, the world of Linux gaming, whether that's on the Steam Deck, whether that's on, like, you know, just your regular Linux desktop, you've probably heard of the work that he's done. Welcome to the show, Glorious Egg Roll. How you doing? Hey, what's going on? It, it's, like, it is a pleasure to finally speak to you. I've been using, like, you know, most people... They'll recommend, like, Proton G anytime there is, like, any slight problem with the game, just to try it out to see if maybe it's going to deal with the problem. So I've definitely, uh, you know, I, I've certainly used what you've been doing for a while, but for anyone who maybe hasn't tried Linux gaming or maybe is a bit of con a bit confused about what Proton G actually is, uh, just give a brief explanation about, you know, what, what you do, what it is. Okay. Uh, well, it's... In a nutshell, the easiest way that I can explain it is it is a fork of Steam's upstream Proton, Proton Experimental Bleeding Edge. And what we do on top of that is we add first, we add staging patches. So if you're familiar with wine and wine staging, you know that staging is a separate patch set. Uh, we've gone through all of those patches and figured out pretty much which ones are already applied in Proton or which ones aren't needed because, you know, wine, standard wine is and wine staging are for games and applications. Yep, so yep. some of those patches are not uh, meant specifically for gaming. So we've right. pruned those out, brought in the extra staging patches that we think are helpful. Uh, we've also added in uh, FFmpeg codecs that Valve themselves can't ship mm -hmm. because you know, as an individual, I am not representing any kind of company. I'm an end user just like everybody else. And you know, we want our videos to work in our video games. So uh, that's what we added on top of that. Um, and it helps quite a bit because another thing that we do is we add you know, different game patches or tweaks or uh, things that may not necessarily be immediately able to be added to Proton, but might need some testing or something like that. Or somebody says, hey, I have this like quick hack that works for this specific game. We can add it. We can test it. And then, uh, you know, I, I've I've communicated many, many years now with a lot of the people involved with Proton. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been super helpful to have patches that I'm able to throw in, test with a big community now, which is really, really great. I'm super thankful for my community. Um, and then give that feedback to those devs that are involved with Proton and it, it helps, you know, it, it helps both. I get, I get people coming in, we get games working and then we shoot it upstream if we can yep, yep. and that's how it works so in a nutshell so like what's a what's a good example of something that like came from your project and that eventually got upstreamed for you know just maybe maybe not a popular game maybe just some random game it just comes to mind like what's something that wasn't in the upstream project that that sort of became possible because of what you were doing what you were trying to add uh, there's been a lot of things over the, the years. Late, most of the time now, uh, I'll start with most of the time now, usually what happens is there's a fix that comes in through like DXVK or VKD3D yeah. or even some Steam specific fix that somebody has for like a pending merge request. And I'll take that fix, put it in Proton GE, ship it, and then we'll get feedback on it. And people will be like, oh, this works great. Or, oh, this broke this game or that game. And then that way I give that feedback back. And then they can either fix whatever is wrong with the patch or get it upstream if they need to. That's how things work now. Mm -hmm. Before, 
um, it was mostly I would dig through a lot of the the wine bugs, like uh, a lot of the Warframe stuff, like mm-hmm. way way back early in the day. This is a perfect example. So Warframe, it had DXVK problems. It had uh, audio problems with the 64-bit version of X-Audio. And Warframe was literally what got me into this in the first place. Okay. Because before I before I did Proton GE, I managed a Warframe launching script. Where it, <laughs> yeah, and it did, that, that was whack, way back when, before DXVK even existed. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So... What happened there is DXVK comes out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is awesome. Because at that time, Warframe only worked with OpenGL. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had some problems on NVIDIA cards with rendering things. And then it also had some different problems on the AMD side. So, and this was all through OpenGL. And I was like, well, we could either fuss over OpenGL. It's been this way for years. Or I can reach out to this DXVK dev and say, hey, do you mind checking and see if you can get Warframe working with DXVK? That'd be really cool. It's got all these current issues. And that's kind of what got my foot in the door to uh, communicating regularly with uh, Philip, you know, the DXVK dev. dev. Um, And then, you know, it just, it went from there. But that was one of the main things. Like I got, we got DXVK working with his help. Um, Then the same thing happened with F-Audio, although I, I currently don't, have communication with the F audio dev, but that's how that's the same thing happened with F audio. I reported <laughs> the bugs, they got it fixed. And now F audio, it used to be its own component, but now it's built into wine. Mm-hmm. So fun stuff there, but that's just one minor example. Um, something that I contributed. Uh, what was it? There was a, there was a, there's been quite a few of the valve um, build components or valve runtime what's it called it was it was one of the 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 starts with a b i can't remember the name of it from the top of my head but anyway it was a component that was missing from the build environment that they needed uh and i managed to fix that as well as um you know i once i fixed it i said hey this is just a little t- small tweak but i fixed it submitted it got it upstreamed um same thing happened with uh gst orc which is for gstreamer that we found out that gives a big performance boost. And we were using that in Proton GE before we got it upstream. So that was another one that was really useful. But just small things here and there. And then yeah, it's it's they all add up, which right, is right. really, really helpful, especially over the years now. Well, yeah, but, yeah, as you have like you if you look at something like Proton DB, for example, you look at like different archives of it over the years, like you just see tiny little changes would make massive amounts of game just all of a sudden start working. And Nowadays, you know, most things are pretty much fine. Like, there is a, a couple of examples here, especially now that we have the Steam Deck. There's a couple of examples here and there. Like, obviously, Destiny's a big one. Uh, any of the uh, any of the malware written by Riot, that's all, all a problem. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to deal with their rootkit unless they decide to make it work. But when it comes to things just on Steam, with the exception of developers who are very... Very much for some reason just deciding not to make it work. Most things are good. I know a recent example that was a problem was Catherine. For some reason and also um I, I think Catherine is is it still broken? I think it's what? I think it's bronze now. I think it it's so it's yeah, it's a bit flat. it's some version. I'll have to work. go double check because yeah. 
That that brings me to another side point hmm. is uh, Media Foundation has been a huge ongoing okay. uh, pain point for many years, and it's it's gotten a lot better now. Um, for you know all the all the games that play videos. So video Media Foundation provides what? Uh, that's the Windows Media Foundation is okay. a. It's provided in Windows 10 and higher, mm-hmm. and it is basically the Windows specific uh, codec package that allows a lot of the games to play right. uh, uh, to play videos. Uh, Borderlands Three, all of the the videos for Borderlands Three, there were a big one that had Media Foundation work that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Unreal games, many many of them have um, Media Foundation work that needed to be done to work correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another game that came out not too long ago. I can't remember the name of it, but I had I had literally a list of specific Media Foundation games, and we had a whole patch set. And every time we would make changes to that patch set, it was uh, the guy who who did the original patch set was uh, Derek Lachaud. Mm-hmm. And I would work with him back and forth nonstop to get them to the point where I swear I must have annoyed the guy to hell. But, uh, but we did. We got a lot of it ironed out. A lot of it was working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it's in really good shape. But it wouldn't be where it is today if not for all the testing that we did. Right, right. And yeah, that's I, I that, that's why when you hit head Catherine, it, it clicked in my head. I was like, oh, that's one of the games that was on the list. Uh, <laughs> I know that um, when Persona Five Royal came out, like that was also a problem because of the anti cheat system. Was no, was no, that was Elden Ring's anti cheat. What was, what was Persona Five Royal? No, I know that didn't I work. Think pers- no, that was DRM. That was a DRM issue. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which made testing very watching the github thread of people testing and then getting banned from the game because of the drm system that was <laughs> i hate i uh, like i like it's it's such a like it was it, it was, it was breaking every time people change proton versions so if they wanted to try a patch that would be changing a proton version and would count as like a new system it was trying to launch on. was it was it using denuvo i don't remember i, I think know it DeNuvo was denuvo cost. yeah yeah no, I've hit that with so many games with the Nubo, and it's pissed me off so much. Mm-hmm. Doom and Doom Eternal specifically, specifically Doom. Well, Doom Eternal. Okay. Um, when that came out, it had a lot of patches and changes that it needed constantly in order to get working properly. And I would hit that stupid Denuvo DRM block at least three times, two or three times a week, because you know you get you block, wait twenty four hours, yeah, block, yeah. wait another twenty five hours. And I'm just like. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I legit, I, I had a, I had the, I own the game, but right. here's what, here's something funky that I did for testing. Right. I had a copy. We'll mm-hmm. just say that. Uh, <laughs> and I sim linked the legit game folder to the copy folder <laughs> just so that I could test it without the DRM. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was fun. Thank you, thank you, Denuvo. It's kind of that. interesting you mentioned Doom and Doom Eternal because when um, when the Steam Deck was coming out, Val was using that as like one of their poster child games. Like this is a game that works incredibly well on the Steam Deck. So it's it's weird that it was such a problem keep in when mind, it, came it came out before the Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah. Doom Eternal came out before the Steam Deck. That's why I'm saying like we had to get this stuff ironed out before before Steam Deck was even out. Once once Steam Deck was out. <laughs> A lot of the the hard to fix stuff was was pretty much in good shape, mm-hmm. which is I'm thankful because 
had it released like a year or two earlier, I think it would have been a mess. Mm. So I'm glad that Valve really just took their time with the Steam Deck and getting all those the major stuff ironed out. Do you find like obviously I can I can look at the list and see like what games are working, but do you find a lot less people sort of complaining about there being problems with newer games now that we do have the Steam Deck here, or is it sort of about the same? No, not really. Um, I would say it's it's really no different than uh, than a, a Windows release for some modern titles. Okay. Like uh, typically with Windows, you know, a new title comes out you probably have like an NVIDIA driver update or an AMD driver update that you need specifically for right. the game, either to fix something or run something. Same thing goes with Linux with, but I mean, these days, like, uh, you know, Ratchet and Clank was one, um, it, Doom, Doom Eternal was obviously one when it came out. <laughs> um, but most, you know, Last of Us, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, don't get me started on that one either. Um, but most, I would say, especially with the later DX12 titles, mm -hmm. If it's a brand new game, you know, give it give it maybe a week, week or two, and mm -hmm. it'll have it should get most of the major. If there's if there's problems with it running, mm -hmm. give it a week or two, and it'll probably have most of those initial launch bugs fixed. What I do find really interesting though is we are like seeing big titles like Baldur's Gate, for example. Like that was I believe that was verified the day it came out. Like there are titles like this that are coming out where developers are explicitly. Like, th there's no shot they weren't having discussions with Valve about getting it verified beforehand. Yeah. Like, if it's going to be verified day one, like, they're obviously doing that. So, it is it is really cool that we are starting to see some developers actually taking that initiative to try and get it working on this platform. And, I don't know, like, I, I, I didn't think we would ever get to this point considering the market share that we have with Linux. But for some reason, even though the Steam Deck isn't like, you know, it's not a Nintendo Switch in sales or anything like that. It still has had this really sort of widespread effect on the Linux gaming space. Yeah, I will. I want to go back on the the Baldur's Gate three three thing. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I think kind of helps with that mm -hmm. is when games offer like uh, early access. Right, right. Because you know Baldur's Gate three, even though it released now, it's been in early access for forever, That's and that fair. really really helped. When it first came out, it did have problems. Mm -hmm. I still, I think I probably still have a Proton fix in there from when it was originally, it had some stuff that needed to be done. And once, like, the launcher didn't even work at first. And now all of that stuff works. And it's because they had that early access and we were able to get those things ironed out before the game even released. So that, that helps. I know some people are for or against early access games or, you know, it, I'm not going to name any specific games because there's there's tons that are like, oh, early access for eternity. Well, but <laughs> Minecraft's a really good example of that. Like, that's a really yeah. uncontroversial one. Like, that, the alpha came out, I don't even, I was, I don't know. I, I don't know how, when the alpha came out. And then it was in beta for like 10 years. And now, like, the full release is out. And it's still technically, like, you know, you could call it a... Like they're still adding content patches, so like I mean, we can't even bring this up without bringing up Star Citizen. Let's let's be honest here. Like, is Star was... Citizen a game yet? Last I heard, it was like <laughs> no, a, it's still it, it was a model viewer, not a game yet. What? <laughs> when did Star Citizen get announced? When was that? Oh, it's what? been years, man. Wikipedia, years, let's years. See. Uh, a successful 
Kickstarter. Wait. Pre production of the game began in 2010, production 2011, crowdfunding 2012. Yeah, it's, it's been a solid 10 years at least. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe it'll come out at some point. I don't believe it, <laughs> but maybe. Honestly, I think we'll get GTA 6 or uh, <laughs> Elder Scrolls 6 before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if GTA 6 is just not even like. There's not. Just I not mean, we got story. Diablo 4 finally. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like that one should have been. They should have left that one cooking a little bit longer. Oh, well, yeah. Just, of course. You know, I mean. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. How long did it cook already? <laughs> That's fair. That's, that's, no, what they should have done is let people play more than the first, like the first section of the game, because th the same thing yeah. happened with Diablo three. Yeah, the first section was great because that's the part that got tested. Yeah, they also yeah. kind of. I think they should have just skipped Diablo Immortal, but that's that's just that's me in my opinion. But don't you guys you have know. phones? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, like <laughs> I like. It, it's so sad, like, when you have a company like Blizzard, who just, over the years, obviously, there's the whole, the Blizzard saga, but, like, the, the, the just yeah. the games themselves. Like, it's so sad when a company that is so beloved for the games they make, just slow, it's not even, like, an instant collapse, like, it's, like, one game comes out, and now, and then, like, sudden terrible game, like, it's a slow, slow decline into just mediocrity yeah oh man it kind of it really the whole thing with overwatch 2 really disappoints me mm -hmm. because i mean we all know there's there's a lot of problems with overwatch 2 but they really haven't had a venue to you know people that own the game haven't mm -hmm. really had a venue to express their disappointment mm -hmm. so then when they now oh it's going to be on steam immediately it was just like steam reviews womp mm -hmm. And that sucks, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it sucks for that company. Mm -hmm. But and then, yeah, at the same time, it kind of paints a bad picture for future releases because it's like I would love to see Diablo Four or World of Warcraft or even Starcraft. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> they didn't have to do. See, the problem with Starcraft is they didn't kill Starcraft; they just didn't do anything yeah, with they it. Just yeah, Star people. The people but, that play StarCraft still they love StarCraft. The problem is that nobody else cares yeah. the game exists. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, but that's the thing is like regardless, if you are a person who likes those games, who yeah, plays yeah. those games, even if you're in there for solo campaigns, you know I would like to see them on Steam. Mm -hmm. And if you you know if that company on their side they see oh we put this game on Steam and it just got bombed, mm -hmm. that kind of makes. If I were on that side, I would. I'd be like, do we really want to do this with our other games? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it sucks to have that point of view, but from a business standpoint, that's what I would see. Well, the theory that I heard, like obviously nothing confirmed about why they did it, but the theory that I heard that does sound kind of compelling is that it's sort of a it's a peace offering to the regulators who are trying to stop the merger happening, who just really like. It, it's sort of like okay, we'll we'll give you this. See, we are we are going to work with these other companies. We're not trying to take everything <laughs> under the wing of Microsoft. Like, m like that could just be complete nonsense. But it it does with everything that's happening. It does seem to hold at least a little bit of weight. Like if yeah. if it may, if we seem like we're working with other people, then you're going to be less likely to try to stop the merger. 
It's like, how can we do this? Let's give them our crappiest game in the lineup right now. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised they just didn't do Diablo Immortal. Just like... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I know some people who play Diablo Immortal. And, mm -hmm. you know, besides for me personally thinking it's just a cash grab, like... Mm -hmm. It's a legit game. And I, at this point, it's probably better than Overwatch 2. <laughs> Certainly oh. more players, that's for sure. Oh, man. Uh, like, no, my, my favorite thing with um, with Overwatch 2 is... Uh, have you seen uh, Holocure? The game... The, like, Vampire Survivors like game just came out on Steam. Mm-mm. I haven't uh, seen it yet. Okay, so it's, yeah, it's based on, like, the, the Hololive VTuber characters. It's a, it's a fan game, like, made by, right. a, originally made by one dude. There's, like, a couple of other people that work in the game now. But it had double the player base of Overwatch 2. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there was, like, 30,000 people playing it. So it's, like, not not the biggest game of all time. It's not Boulder's Gate level, but, like, double <laughs> what Overwatch 2 <laughs> Oh, man. That's rough. <laughs> it is a little rough. So, one of the things that someone asked me, we're going to go back to the, the whole Proton thing. One of the things okay. someone asked me on Twitter was, why does Proton GE need to be, like, its own separate thing? Like, obviously, you touched on this a bit, but why isn't everything that you're doing something that's suitable to be upstreamed? Well, I think there's two purposes that it serves. One, uh, immediately, we'll go to the FFmpeg codec stuff. Mm -hmm. There is simply just stuff in there that Valve can't ship. Mm -hmm. They have their own specific version of Proton that comes with Steam, with st specific codecs that they can only ship in that version. Mm -hmm. They can't enable extra codecs for that. And they are trying to work with that. They've got their their media recoder. It doesn't work for everything, but you know they're slowly but surely trying to put things... Uh, through that mm -hmm. but for those other games they simply need currently they simply need those codecs from ffmpeg that valve can't provide right that is one major reason that a lot of you know a lot of people started using the proton ge builds uh, another one is uh the fsr patches mm -hmm. so a lot of people you know now we know gamescope has fsr built into it you can use it that way but some people don't like using gamescope because it occasionally introduces input lag maybe you know that's that's just one example or maybe it doesn't fit their it doesn't work with their monitors correctly for whatever reason there's another example or it's not capturing their mouse for whatever desktop environment they're using that's another example um for those reasons they might want to use fsr directly in the game or you know for newer games that's fine they have you know dlss or xlss or FSR built into the game, but for older games and people running on lower end hardware, they may still want to use FSR for that mm -hmm. benefit. And you know, we we did remove we've removed it twice now because it, we keep getting into this point where it's like a Proton update comes out for the year, mm -hmm. like the new yearly Proton comes out, and then we're like, well, crap, how are we going to rebase these? Because the original author of those. Uh, he he put them out for Proton first as a PR mm -hmm. or a, a merge quest, and then moved his work over to Gamescope. So the Proton those those patches for Wine or Proton are no longer get, getting updates from him at all. We fully rely on like the community to help with those updates, and we've got excuse me, like we've got a guy who thankfully has 
updated it for us these last two years. I'm super, super thankful for him. He knows who he is. Um, but yeah, those are just a few examples of what sets apart Proton GE from Proton Experimental. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, having all those little quirky test patches that get specific games working here and there, mm -hmm. like they could put them in Proton Experimental, but then like everybody that's running Proton Experimental, even on the Steam Deck, they're going to be like, hey, suddenly half my games broke because you created right. this hack. You can't do that on devices that you're selling to people. So you have to, you know, it's, it's nice to have some other venue or some other outlet where they can unofficially do that, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, I am not saying, you know, I'm not contracted by valve. I don't work directly with them or anything like mm -hmm. that. I just, I feel like it serves that purpose very well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something um, very clear that needs to be said as well. I had a bunch of people uh, like who got really confused about your relationship with Valve. Like they're asking it like about stuff that only Valve internally would know. It's like, is Steam ever gonna make it so you don't need to use X Wayland on Wayland to get games running? Oh. Like, so explain, guys. Yeah, I am an end user just like everybody else. <laughs> I work for Red Hat, which is a completely separate company. The stuff I do at Red Hat is completely separate from <laughs> any of my projects or anything that I do on a daily basis. Anything that happens with Red Hat stays with Red Hat. I don't mess with it. I don't discuss it. That's all on its own special thing. Right. The same thing goes for Valve. Mm -hmm. I am just an end user. I don't have anything, I don't, any no inside information, anything like that. Uh, the most I ever do is talk to the devs on a daily basis through Discord, mm -hmm. like I have been for many years, and that's it. Like, so you just have contacts have a, within Valve, and that's about as far as it goes. That's about as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and most of the time, if I have some kind of special patch or something, it's something that either has already been put out there for regular wine, or it's by another community member between that that Proton Discord or my wine or my my own Discord, mm -hmm. or it's something that uh, you know one of the devs is like, oh, I've been working. This used to happen. Doesn't happen a lot anymore. Most of the time nowadays, anything they're working on usually just goes straight through Proton Experimental. But, for example, through the Media Foundation stuff early on, um, we did a lot of that testing. I, I would go back and forth with Derek for the Media Foundation stuff. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, most of it's just day-to-day -day me being an end user and uh, trying to get the new new out there as fast as I can. <laughs> how much uh, time do you reckon you spend trying to get things? Just you know, just How much time do you spend working on G? Obviously, you have... Navarra as well as like a separate thing, but just on G itself. Uh, a lot less these days than okay. I used to. Uh, I used to, and it was, I, I'd work on it every couple of days mm -hmm. and just constantly, constantly, constantly pulling stuff in, constantly rebasing stuff. And that was part of the reason that uh, with Proton, when, when Proton 7 came out, we rebased the entire thing. Because we were originally doing it the same way that TKG does, which was take wine, mm -hmm. put the proton patches on top of wine, put the staging patches on top of that, and then put our custom stuff on top of that. Mm -hmm. But now we do, we just rebase off of, well, we use proton wine and then just rebase staging off of proton wine, which is a lot easier because that way you'd only have to rebase the staging patches once a year. Mm, okay, that makes sense. 
Like, I mean, occasionally you'll have a proton change that comes in and you'll have to change maybe like one or two patches in staging. That happens. And I have, you know, I've got a list of customized versions of the staging patch. And then, you know, when a new proton version hits, that's when we have to go through and we'll have to do another rebase again. But again, we only have to do that once a year now, as opposed to every time a new proton version drops and breaks something. Okay. So wait, can you explain the, the, how the proton release cycle works from your side then? Cause I wasn't aware of any of that stuff. Okay. So uh, typically what I do is mm-hmm. I'll release a proton version, maybe like every two weeks. Right. And the reason I do that is mainly just to keep up with proton experimental. Um, if there's a new patch or like an emergency fix or something that fixes a game that isn't launching, for example, like Ratchet and Clank. If uh, Well, that one, I had a, a little bit of work that I needed to do, um, but it was working on Steam Deck out of the box. But there was, so uh, on the, here's an example for that. On the NVIDIA side, there is a workaround for the direct storage problem. And they can't exactly put that in upstream because of some compl- some complications with it. But it's fine for me to use it in Proton GE. Mm-hmm. It allows NVIDIA users to play the game. So that was something that I want. Once it once it immediately came out, I was like, "Oh, we got to get this in Proton GE so people can, on NVIDIA can play the game." Mm-hmm. And being able to just get those things out on a you know as fast as I can basis is really nice um you know don't get me wrong proton experimental they they shovel their own stuff out as as quick as they can sometimes a lot faster than i can Mm -hmm. but with those little like hacks and quirks and things again that's stuff that only i can do so so i uh, i'm assuming that for the games that you have someone tell you like oh you know this caused a problem whatever you probably have to buy a bunch of games right how big is your Steam library? <laughs> Currently, my Steam library is sitting at sitting at. Uh, <laughs> come on, thirteen ten. It's not too. Uh, okay. I don't know if thirteen ten is too bad. Uh, it's it's. I don't know how many thousand. games are on Steam now that I think about it. But I mean, that's also excluding other platforms because you got to keep in mind. I also work on Lutris. Right. I also you have one G you know, in well, general. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do Lutris stuff. I'm friends with a lot of people from the other launchers and stuff like Heroic <laughs> and whatnot. And I do test those as well. And I so therefore I have games on other platforms as well. Like I might get the direct version for an EA game or a UPlay game or <laughs> anything like that. So. My Steam library, it's like I have my Steam library, and then I have, like, whatever other major company is out there. I have a list of games on there. And then I have duplicates. It's like, oh, it works on Heroic, or it works on Steam. Does it work on Heroic? Now I get to go figure out why. Another copy of the game. Oh, God, that sounds like a pain. (sighs) Yeah. So um, I will say thank you very much to my patrons, because you guys help a lot with that. Like that's uh if mainly if if i need to test a new game or if i need to test you know hardware for a game that's where the patreon comes right right so that's been super super helpful yeah i i i I bet it is because i'm look i'm I'm sure you just working at red hat doesn't it, it doesn't pay nothing i'm sure you get a reasonable amount of money from that but having extra money to do this is i'm sure i'm sure great 
it yeah it definitely it's it's motivating yes yes <laughs> it's 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 motivating not only that but just being for me it's weird like mm -hmm. i have i have just like a handful of games that i'll play on a regular basis mm -hmm. but for me being able to figure out getting a game working on linux has been like kind of a a thing for me it's like working on a puzzle mm -hmm. once you get it together you're like oh great it's done that's awesome I feel really good about completing it and figuring things out, but now I have to move on to the next project. Mm -hmm. And like for me, it's it's like once once something is done and done, mm -hmm. I'm immediately looking for the next thing. Which another it's a, it's another uh, blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because I get to fix game. It's a curse because I get to spend more money on games. <laughs> I'm sure the uh, the Steam sales look at they're either great for you or you look at the list and it's like. Everything on here, I've already oh, got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've been subscribed to Humble Bundle for, <laughs> like, I don't know, like five years now. Something like that. And now I, I get every other every other time there's something that uh paying a friend, hey, do you got this game? Or, hey, do you have this game? Or, yeah, here you go. Here's like six codes. Enjoy. <laughs> well, I guess that's nice. Yeah, you know, share the games around. Yeah, yeah. It's... So <laughs> it, it helps it helps my friends to get games sure sure point. you know just just uh help i'm sure i'm sure you've given them uh, more games than they know what to do with as well so <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's just whatever whatever pops in most of the time is games that they already own too yeah and then i'll just like pop them in my community chat if i okay. need to oh well yeah there's always that as well yeah so when did you start working on proton GE? Uh, actually, see. when did when did Proton first come out? Do you remember what year that was? I I honestly don't remember. It had to be close to around 20, uh, 2018, mm -hmm. maybe twenty nineteen. Um... I know I was definitely working on it already by twenty nineteen mm -hmm. because that's when I actually started at Red Hat. I'm just going on when, like five years August twenty first, twenty eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> called it. <laughs> 27 tested and certified games at the time. Wow. I forgot how short the list was. Yeah, and that was, that actually was way, that was quite a ways after uh, DXVK had already been well on its mm -hmm. way, which is kind of funky. Like, it, like everybody kind of had a hunch about DXVK, it's like, is this guy just doing this on his own? Or is he being contracted for Valve? Like, nobody had a clue, but nobody really bothered to ask. Mm -hmm. We were all just, like, really happy that our games were running on Vulkan on Linux at that time. And it was like, oh, dude, this is awesome. So, and <laughs> I'm sure he had so many pain points when things didn't work or didn't go right. Mm -hmm. And we all understood those pain points. But at the same time, it was just like, man, looking back now, that the stuff that he's done is just insane. If I remember correctly, he started working on DXVK to play Nia. I think that was the yep. story. Yep. I always get his, <laughs> his story was... and um, Joshua Ashton's story mixed up, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure his story was Nia. I don't know what Josh's was. I'm gonna have to. I have to figure that one out. I think his was his. I, I want to say his was basically a fuck you. Someone told him that he couldn't do it. it. I think it was getting like, I think it was getting like DirectX. Didn't he sound like DirectX ten or something like that? And someone was like, "Uh, yeah." 
And someone's like, I, I think the story was someone told him that his idea was a bad idea and there was no way it was going to work. So he just did it. And then it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> he's Josh is a good dude though. He's he's been around for a, a long time as well, and he's <laughs> he's been super super helpful. Um, but yeah, he I think he started with ten, and then after that he started he went and did nine as mm -hmm. well, and then just all of that got merged into DXVK. <laughs> so you're saying that you were already working on it when Proton was coming out. So when did you actually? Get involved with doing wine stuff then just generally oh probably about like two or three years earlier okay i would say like uh so i i used to do in my in my early 20s i used to do web development and um that's kind of at the same time when i started using linux more um i had also run private gaming servers and I had learned a lot of things that way in terms of the Linux environment. Uh, and and told I've been using Linux since probably since I was about 14. And I'm, you know, I'm going on 40 now, just FYI. <laughs> but uh, it really started to click around my, my early to mid 20s, because that's when I first started using Arch. <laughs> and I used that for like a good solid, I don't know, five, six years before, uh, before I got my job at Red Hat and then switched over to Fedora. Um, but I will say again, Arch is an excellent learning tool. That's that's literally where I learned half of the stuff that I know today mm -hmm. is because of just using Arch. But yeah, at the same time, I would say maybe like 2015 to 2018 era is when I really was into uh, working on wine, learning the ins and outs of it, uh, figuring out where components were, how the general structure works because when you when you look at the wine source code it's it's daunting if you have no idea yeah you're like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it, people ask me now all the time like how do i get started where do i get started and i'm just like this is a rough answer but you're gonna want to start learning where the uh where the various components are in wine and uh, i think the easiest quickest base that I can get give on that is uh, in the source code, the DLLs folder mm -hmm. is kind of, it's where all the Windows specific DLL code is. Mm -hmm. And that's where most of the things are that you're going to want to fix. There are other components in other places in the source code, but that's generally where most of the fixes, the easier fixes go, especially like when you need like a stub or something like that. Um, I would say that would that would probably be the easiest way to start is figure out a stub that's currently needed by one of those DLLs in Wine and either implement the stub or uh, figure out how to fully implement the function that the stub is supposed to introduce. <laughs> um, yeah, it's <laughs> there are there are still even to this day there are people that know way more than I do in the Wine environment. The Code Weavers guys are freaking wizards. Um, and like, I, I am listed as a wine staging maintainer, but these days I mainly just check stuff and then ping them and, uh, annoy them when I tell them that something broke. <laughs> Most of these days, if something breaks, I'll be just like, yeah, this broke or, uh, you committed this and this broke.
that's I think that's one of the things that I hate doing the most is when I see something that's committed by somebody that I yeah I talk to on a regular basis. I'm like, mm-hmm. you broke it. <laughs> like nobody wants to hear that because then they're just like, oh shit. Yeah, try like but, you assume the code you write is good, so having to go back and look at it, like I know this is supposed to work. Like why? Like what? What is wrong here? Yeah, I think I I probably have like an. I think I, for the longest time, I swear ZF hated me. Like, uh, Zebedee Figura, Figura. Uh, awesome person, but man, I used to, I, I probably swear I pinged them on a daily basis way early when I was working on stuff. Not not nearly as much now. It's been a lot easier since um, most of the things, like since we rebased, it's been a lot easier because now we're not having to deal with rebasing staging again on a you know, weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um I think these days the person I probably ping the most now is Paul Goffman. Mm-hmm. He does uh, he does a lot of the anti cheat stuff these days. Um, well, not not so much anti cheat. Uh, that was Derek like super early in the day. Uh, but Paul does a, a lot of the deeper stuff. Um, he's also pretty good at getting launchers fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, he I think he helped with the Final Fantasy fourteen stuff. I don't, oh, I don't the, the uh, as far as the launcher goes, the like the new launcher. Yeah. 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 That yeah, that was broken forever. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it's the reason I started using a another launcher. You know the yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that one. Yeah. Like they don't. No, there's not. It works great. Yeah, it works great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Square Enix may not be happy about other launchers existing, but hey, that's a uh, Square Enix yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, they should have thought about that when they. Uh decided to make the game is it steam deck verified now i think it is actually i have no idea uh ff14 steam deck i I assume there's a list somewhere uh it's not taking in anything useful uh i assume it is but i i'm not certain just use just use the xav launcher it works better <laughs> so when you first started getting involved with wine what was the state of windows compatibility back then obviously things like dxvk didn't exist so... oh it was hot garbage yeah i was gonna like just straight up i mean you gotta you understand when i started using it dxvk and f audio both did not exist we had to rely on OpenGL and mm-hmm. whatever worked in OpenGL and whatever mesa drivers or nvidia drivers worked in OpenGL. Like you had I remember I had wanted to play Warframe. Right. And Warframe worked on NVIDIA, mm-hmm. but on AM or on AMD it had some like some black textures mm-hmm. problems. So for the longest time I was using an NVIDIA card for it. And then I switched to AMD and the first thing that I realized was, okay, Warframe is working, or I think it was the other way around. I was AMD, they had a problem with AMD and it worked on NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. And I, I switched to NVIDIA and then I went to go play Elder Scrolls Online and it had NVIDIA OpenGL had a problem with, the, it had the same problem that AMD had with various black textures in OpenGL. And I'm like, shit, I just switched. Mm-hmm. Like, now I can play the other game, but not the original game I wanted to play. Stick them both was, in the computer. Switch GPUs. It was 
Dude, it was like that with like every other game that I would try. There were so many, even like native OpenGL games, mm-hmm. like Rage. Rage was another one. Uh, I've not heard that name Rage. in a while. Yeah. Um, what was it? Wolfenstein, the the Wolfenstein, the the Old Blood and the New Order. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those were originally mm-hmm. those are OpenGL games, and those had problems. Um, and I remember opening tickets for those. The original uh, Divinity Original Sin 1, another native Linux release with an OpenGL version. Well, actually, I don't know if it was native Linux, but I know it had an OpenGL version. Um, but again, like all of these games had various problems that they needed. It did first. have an original uh, 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 native release. Yeah. Um, another one, Dying Light. Uh, Dying Light has a. It worked on Ubuntu, but it has. It's. I don't know if it still has this problem to this day, but it needed a PCIe utils symlink for Fedora. Uh, it needed some other pro. Some other stuff done in Arch. I don't know if that's still a problem or not. Yep. I. I opened a bug for the PCIe utils problem uh-huh. issue uh, with Fedora and. Uh, I, I will just say I had an argument with that for a while, and I don't know if it's still a problem or not. I just at that point, that was that was one example of what kind of drove me to start working on Nobara uh, of several. But you know, don't get me wrong; they have Fedora. They have really great devs. They have some really nice people over there. I've I've had my my qualms with them, but I also have know some really good solid people over there. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just. It's not everybody is like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we get into Nabara, um, when okay, so before DXVK was a thing, if a game didn't support OpenGL, was there just no luck getting it running? No, it was DX. It, you had to open a bug directly with Wine because you got to understand if it didn't run OpenGL natively, mm-hmm. like a lot of the games that I just listed were, they had native OpenGL renders. Right. Right. If it didn't work natively with OpenGL, then it had to render DirectX to OpenGL. And at that okay. point, it was rendering DirectX 9, 10, and 11 <laughs> to OpenGL instead right. of DXPK. Okay. And okay. it still does that to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, If you don't use DXPK, that's what it attempts to do. Mm-hmm. But these days, DXPK is it's basically the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think with their rendition of VKD3D, they're trying to make that the new back end. Um, I do not know the progress of that. I haven't kept up with it at all. I just, I specifically just keep working on the VKD3D Proton fork and DXVK. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so Nabara. I only recall hearing about it relatively recently, but when did you actually start the project? That actually, I started that back in uh, around the time Fedora 35 released, okay. which is maybe two years ago. Okay, maybe? so okay, then my my timeline is about right. Then I thought maybe it'd been around for longer. I just didn't know about it. No, no, no. It was. Um, I think it was um, either shortly before or shortly after. Uh, I think Garuda. Oh, if I'm uh, yeah, just, okay. just I didn't realize that was that young. Okay, I thought that would had been around for longer. Big, yeah, Garuda is a little bit older than than Nobara, just just oh. a hair, I, I believe. Okay, that's news to me. Okay, so, but it didn't really start getting pop. Like, Nobara didn't start really getting yeah. popular until around like thirty six. Okay, okay, well, end of thirty six, beginning of thirty seven. Okay, 
So, why? Why did Navarro... Why, why'd you make Navarro? Like, what What was it about Fedora that wasn't, you know, wasn't up to the the level you needed to be for your use case? Well, a couple of things. One was I needed something that both myself and my dad could use. Okay. My dad, uh, I got him started using Linux. I switched him over. Uh, this happened uh, one day after he had a Windows blue screen that made all of his USB devices stop working. And I spent an entire weekend over there trying to fix it. Did you fix it? And oh yeah, we got it. We got it fixed. And then after that, I switched him to Linux. And we started with Arch, and then we moved him to Fedora. Once I got going with Fedora, <laughs> Wait, you started him with Arch. Had well, it was at that time. It was not Arch. It was what was the name of it? It doesn't exist anymore. It was the, it's basically Arch with an installer before Endeavor existed. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, we started with that. And obviously, you know, the problem with Arch is every once in a while, you'll get something funky that happens and yeah. it, and then it too will kind of screw up the system. And the, yeah. the fact have. of the matter is I don't live in the same state with them anymore. So I can't drive over for a weekend and fix the stuff like I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another reason that we had to move over to Fedora. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem that I had, the problems that I had with Fedora were basically just gaming, gaming stuff here and there, like Mesa not being up to date or, uh, needing an updated version of game scope or needing, um, patches for rad V in Mesa or, mm-hmm. um, just various little things here and there, which is also why there's now now like a massive list of the changes that Nobara puts in because mm-hmm. all that stuff added up over time. And at first, you a lot of people they they may argue, oh well, Nobara is just Fedora with a couple of patches thrown in or a couple of things here and there. Like you don't understand, there's like a massive list of changes that we've done, mm-hmm. and when you add all of those things up. And you take your basic Fedora installation, you keep you go and implement those one by one by one by one. Like that shit adds up over time. You don't want to spend a day or two days getting your Fedora system back to what it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you just have one or two minor changes that you do on Fedora, that's fine. Just go ahead with do Fedora. But for me, that's not what happened. And for me to have my daily driver like that and have multiple systems that I need to do that on, that's where it stemmed from. And I was just like, okay, let's just go ahead and do this, get it done, get something that I can easily pop in on any system or that my dad can use and I can remote in. I know where to look for changes, where to look for things that I need to fix or resolve or things that might be outdated mm-hmm. and boom, immediately be able to resolve them. That's where it stemmed from. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, once I started using it myself and got comfortable with it, I was like, you know, there's some other people that I know of that would probably be uh, probably like this. So I put it out there as I, you know, I still to this day, the bottom line is I make it for myself and my dad. Right. You may love it. You may hate it. You might have problems with it. I can't please any, I, I can't please everyone. I don't care to please everyone. If you have a problem with it, that's your problem. I, if you come in my discord and you ask me, then sure. Mm-hmm. If you're very, if you're polite about it, I'm going to be polite back and I'm going to try and help you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's generally my take, but I've had, I'm sure a lot of communities have had the specific people that come in that either 
Seymour act entitled or uh, demand things, or they just come in and they're immediately like, oh, this distro shit. And I'm like, oh, well, you're shit. Goodbye. <laughs> like, I'll dish it. You want to dish it? I'll dish it right back. Like, it, it, there's two sides to everything, and I, that's just the way I am. Right. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and be be. I can't be nice all the time. I'd go insane. It we. It sounds like you got a lot of things going on to be nice all the time. It's like, hey, you know, I could I could sit here give you like a big long paragraph, be super super businessy with you, or I could be like, no, go away. Like you know, you're doing the, you're doing like <laughs> stuff with wine. You're doing stuff with Proton. You work at Red Hat. You got Navara. Like that's you know a lot of a lot of things. Like yeah, yeah. It's it's that's pretty much it. Like if if you're nice, if it's it's, it's just a general question, I don't care. I will give you an answer if I can. <laughs> if I don't have the answer, sure, maybe somebody in our community has it. That'd be great if somebody can help them. Um, but if you know, if I can help, I will. Uh, but man, I literally I have in the rules in my Discord that please don't ping me. I'm not your personal tech support butler. I'll help yep, if I can yep. if I'm there. But that's yeah, that's my I get pings non. I I used to get pings nonstop. I still get pings every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But and that's also another thing. Like I used to in my free time, I would live stream on Twitch mm-hmm. just because I was, you know, bored playing video games at that point. I'm sure you got and... questions. You're like, hey, how do I fix this? Oh, they would that? pop into yeah. my Twitch chat all the time, just nonstop asking me, hey, can you fix this game? Hey, can you fix that game? Hey, I can't get this at work. Hey, I can't get that worked. I'm like, bro, I'm just trying to relax. <laughs> like, let me play my video games. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's just kind of where that stems from. I don't mind helping people, but man, and especially now these days, because all my stuff has been out there for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it was just a small circle that I was just constantly getting. Now I have those rules in place, and it helps out quite a bit. You know, even with the amount of attention that I do end up getting, it's still helpful for people to know now. Hey, I, I'm I'm busy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, even from my perspective, I get the occasional person pinging me being like, hey, how do I do this thing and this thing? Like, uh, do I have a video on it? If I do, go watch the video. If I don't, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. I have no idea. I've got other things to worry about. But you being in this position where you're actually, like, making a project, that, that I, I, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot more than I would ever, ever possibly get on this. I've literally used "Let me Google that for you" links. Oh, that's all. Yeah, I, I, I love when people ask you a question and you just type the question into Google. It's like, did you? I, like, I'm, I'm fine to give you some advice if something isn't clear, but when someone puts in absolutely zero effort in trying to get the answer themselves, like, I don't want to help you. Like I'm sorry, but I don't want to yep. help you. Yep. My so my biggest pet peeve in Discord is when people don't read the channel pins. So with Nobara and with Proton and with Wine, we have all dedicated channels for that. <laughs> and each one of those, the very first thing it says in the subject in capital letters is read the channel pins before asking questions. <laughs> and we have important pins for all of those in every single channel. 
And I swear, man, people just come in and immediately, bam, hey, do you know this? Answer this How many people about, ask blah, blah, blah. you, how do I install a version of Proton GE? Like, hey, do you have basic reading <laughs> comprehension? <laughs> just how many I, people uh, have you had ask you how to install Proton GE? <laughs> it used to be a lot. Now, thankfully, the. Uh, Thank you to David for Proton Up QT. You Proton are a Up QT is a godsend. I love it so oh, much. Dude, if I didn't have that tool, I would just I would lose my mind. I, I <laughs> like I I obviously I know how to install Proton G. Like it, I know how to install it myself, but like I really don't want to. And I can just click this, click that, and boom, it's done. Yeah, yeah. That's every time anybody has a question now, I'm just like, just go install Proton Up QT. You'll find it, I'm sure. Type it in any any flat pack. I mean, it comes as a flat pack. You can just download it that way, and we ship it in Nobara out of the box. Mm -hmm. So it's just so much easier. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's not using at least that, or there's also Proton Up, which is a completely separate project, which is like a terminal version. Yeah, yeah, I know the dev for that too. It's I think Proton Up started first, yeah. and then Proton Up QT was made as like a GUI. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was made on top of Proton I Up or if it think was made this, on its own. I I want to say they're completely separate projects, but I'm not yeah. certain on that. Either way, they're great. I love them. Like it, yeah, I, I had, think doesn't Proton uh, Up QT also do like Lutra stuff as well? Yep, yep, yeah. it does. Uh, I know when Proton Up first came out, not QT. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people wanted me to implement it into Proton, and I told them, I was like, look, no, I can't do that, because that's... Yeah, they wanted it as a built-in tool to install Proton, and I'm like, that does first of all, it doesn't make sense, because you would have to clone the Git repo, and then run the command from the Git repo to download the release. Right. And then you have all these files in the Git repo that are, for, that are the source code that have absolutely nothing else to do. And they're just taking up this space. Like, why? Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, that was the major issue. But the other issue is I would also have to maintain that on top of sure. my normal Proton build. You know? And it's like, I can't. <laughs> I've got enough projects as it is on my own. I don't need to worry. I don't want to worry about managing something else that someone else is working on. Mm -hmm. On top of my version that's in my project as a fork. Right, right. Yeah, that... Or copy, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even know what was trying to be asked. That's so weird. Yeah, it um, was way early in Proton too, like, like the early days of Proton. Yeah, yeah. That okay. That makes sense. So, um, with with Nabara, what sort of reception have you had from it? Like, have obviously you said you've had a couple of trolls coming through, but like, how many people are in the Discord? How like how much have you heard people talking about it? Like, sort of just yeah. General uh, reception. It's it so. It blew up mm -hmm. within like 36 to 37. Okay. Um, 37 was really good. It was rock solid. 36 had some, some issues that we fixed in 37. Mm -hmm. uh, it got really, really, really stupidly popular. <laughs> like it blew my mind how popular that it got. Mm -hmm. But uh, these days it's a little more calm uh, with 38. It's, it's nicer. I would say that we've cleaned up a lot of stuff. With 38, um, a lot of the repo issues, like most of the repo issues we fixed in 37, mm -hmm. but there were still a couple of lingering things like, and, and, but, and we fixed those in 38 now officially. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one example is 
we have we do snapshots of Fedora's repositories. So okay. rather than providing Fedora's repositories directly, mm-hmm. we'll do a snapshot and we provide those through like Cloudflare, R2. Oh, okay. So you have uh, like a known yeah. consistent packages available. Exactly. Right. And the part of the reason that we do that is because we want to make sure that the packages that we provide that we build in copper mm-hmm. um, work with those ones that we right right okay because otherwise what happens is fedora updates a package and then we have outdated copper there is a lot of stuff in copper that's like that yeah especially like uh luckily we don't run that run into that too often with gnome but with Mm -hmm. uh, kde packages those were those keep getting updated quite a bit um they used to a lot and we would have to constantly keep rebuilding the kde stuff which you know that's fine putting those in but you it kind of also is a pain in the butt when people are reporting it every other week right so adds a lot of maintenance yeah. burden for yeah. maybe so, a very minor change yeah so what we do instead is we have those those snapshots and we take we update them once a month okay and we'll go and update the uh, whatever copper packages we need for that snapshot now important things that are outside of the snapshot that we do that we do separate patching on those are done separately there's a reason that we have copper packages for those or app stream packages for those so the stuff that we can't put in copper like obs like we have our own copy of obs made from the rpm fusion build uh our, so rpm fusion mm-hmm. they have their own stuff that they provide outside of base fedora mm-hmm. there are modifications like for example the obs studio package uh, we have our own patches that we put on top of it. So we can't use the RPM Fusion one because mm-hmm. otherwise it wouldn't have our patches or our changes. So we have a copy of that. And we can't put that in copper because mm-hmm. copper can't provide RPM Fusion stuff. So we have our AppStream repo for that. That is just one example of a couple of packages that we use for RPM Fusion. But um, again, that stuff has to match the snapshot. Hmm. So... That's, a, that's why we did that. Uh, another reason for the snapshot is because we have all of those packages in copper that are supposed to be overrides for the original packages, some that you know Fedora might already provide. Uh, you'll get conflicts for things like GNOME Software or KDE Discover, where there's, they see, they might before we had a snapshot, they would say, oh, there's an update in Fedora for this package. And then people would be like, why can't we download this update? Well, it's because... Those software managers, for some reason, are completely ignoring the exclude list that we have or the priority that we have setting that we have for the repository. Well, we fixed that in 38. So we went. I went through, and I, the way that we do the snapshot, we do a clone, and then we upload it to R2. So what I did is I went through and I found out every. I got I got a name for every single package that we replace. And I, after the clone, I go and I have a script that just goes and wipes out all of those packages from the Fedora repo. Mm-hmm. So that way, the only ones that are available are the ones from our copper. Right. So that way, there's no conflict. That way, now GNOME Software or KDE Discover won't see the version in Fedora that might say, hey, it's newer than the one that you have in copper. Um, but even though the copper priority is higher, it just completely ignores that and says, hey, do you want to download this? The, the user's like... I can't click it. It won't let me do the thing. I guess it... So, it's fixed now. Right. That's weird that it was causing a problem in the first place, but I guess it's just... It's... I guess having copper being higher priority just wasn't really a thought initially with them. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they don't take any consideration. The, I don't know why. 
I mean, you would think if you're building something that's meant to use repositories, regardless of which repositories, mm -hmm. you would hope that they would include the priority of that repository. Mm -hmm. But it was a problem regardless. Now it's fixed. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, that's a recent change. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that's over with. <laughs> that was another like week and a half of pain. So specifically with OBS, like I use the OBS flat pack. Like that's just because the arch package is broken and they just, they for years now have never wanted to actually package it properly. But <laughs> why the, if you don't know about the arch stuff, um, the, so for the, the browser stuff in OBS, it requires CF uh, minimal. And they ship the wrong version, so that breaks OBS, and they just don't want to include a separate package. Um, and it's been like that for years. It, it, that all of that functionality just does not work on Arch. So it's Flatpak or use like Titan's version or someone else's version, but like the one in the core repos just doesn't work. But why do you actually like what sort of patches do you add on to OBS to justify okay. not using the Flatpak? So a couple of things. This is probably going to help the OBS devs out because they. I, I, from what I've heard, they complain a lot about Nobara having a custom version. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. So we add a GStreamer plugin, which okay. does the same functionality as the FFmpeg VAPI plugin. It's okay, just yep. VAPI is being routed through GStreamer instead of FFmpeg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have that plugin installed, yeah. Okay, so we have that one. Um, I have another patch for here. Let me just bring this up. This will it'll be easier for me to just. So I looked at your list here, and I know the web the WebSocket stuff is out of date because that's actually available in OBS now. Yeah, I need to update the website. <laughs> As the website is always kind of like the the back of the this after sure. the it's the after afterthought of everything else. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, where is OBS here? OBS. Well, browser. It says patch with browser plugin. I think that's really out of date, actually. Unless that's something different. Uh, no, 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 no. Unless so Fedora's version of OBS does not come with the browser plugin at all. What? Yeah, it, they can't because it's it's CEF. Uh, I, I believe... Oh, so it has the exact same problem that Arch has. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm sure that... What's, what's their reasoning for doing so if you happen to know? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Do not know. All I know is that's that's one of the major problems. The browser plugin is something that you need in OBS. Yeah. So yeah. That is added. We have let's see the NDI plugin. We have that built in because I know quite a few people use NDI. What does that do? Uh, it's a specific type of connector. Um, okay. Actually, I don't remember if it's NDI. I'm thinking of something else. I don't actually. It might not be a type of connector. If I remember right, it's uh, the net, the way to you can you can share the OBS screen between or the OBS uh, here we output the between two systems. This plugin adds simple audio, so video input and output over IP using N, a new text. Yeah, technology. that's what it is. It's yeah. It's not. I'm thinking of a different type of connector, but that's not related. Mm -hmm. um, the NDI plugin allows you to basically run OBS on one computer and then have the output put over the network to another OBS somewhere else. Oh. So okay. like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't remember, uh, how can I describe this? 
It's more it's more so for uh, like easier resource management because right, right, you right. don't necessarily have to encode on the same system. Um, uh, but it is a really useful plugin. So it's a way to do. It's a way to have a capture PC without having capture card. You just do it over IP. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't personally use it very often. I've used it once or twice for testing because somebody asked for it. That's mm-hmm. how I know like the basics of what it does. Right, right, right. But uh, apart from that, I, I personally don't use it. But it is something that a lot of people do. Okay, okay. So we've got that in. We've got the AMF patch, mm-hmm. which um, the author of the AMF patch he's not maintaining that officially anymore. He's he's upstream. He's also already upstreamed patches to Mesa to get the VAPI stuff in Mesa performing well, mm-hmm. as well as the FFmpeg VAPI in OBS. Mm-hmm. Um, he's committed stuff to get that fixed up as well. Uh, we've had internal discussions about that. Uh, the, the problem with the AMF patch is even though it does work, it requires specific firmware for, you know, proprietary firmware from AMD. Right. You know, even the, the open source version, it'll hit, it'll work one day and like be broken the next um it requires the am this the the proprietary amf codec libraries from their drivers instead of mesa mm-hmm. so that's another problem uh just all these different little stupid proprietary factors that come into play when you use it so like if you're going to use it you need to know what you're doing otherwise don't bother just use vapi and at, right. and at this point vapi actually works really really well for um vega and higher uh, there are also some some tweaks for the Polaris series that I believe he's he's talked about or mentioned upstreaming something like that, but uh, it's getting there. <laughs> so that's one of them. Uh, OBS browser, obviously. OBS web sockets. Yep. Um, OBS VK capture, aka game capture for Vulkan. Okay. That's another one that doesn't come in by default. It's you know on win if you use OBS on Windows, you have your game capture. Mm. That's what VK capture is. It what does is the, the same thing. The value of like game capture rather than just doing like window capture. I don't, I don't uh, a lot. It's a lot less resource intensive. Okay. For sure. Like uh, if you're going to do game capture or if you're going to do gaming and want to capture it and you don't have a capture card, uh, VK capture or game capture is like the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot less resource intensive than using a full window capture. Hmm, so that's an, that's another reason we put that there. Um, and these days, it now it also does work on Wayland with NVIDIA and AMD. Wow! So okay. it, yeah, it used it used to only work on AMD, but now it works for both, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, the guy that works on so the guy that does that plugin also <laughs> is the guy that did the AMF encoder and is also doing the VAPI work. So uh, his name is No Rep. Ah, yep, He's, yep, yep. Yeah, No Rep's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> let's see. There's some there's some other stuff in here. I see Pipewire um, application audio capture, but yeah, that's a plugin. They've been meaning to. I think that's a pending merge request. Okay, and it's been sitting there for a while. And the intention is to get that upstream, but mm-hmm. we already have that added right. in our version as well. I see. This is a very yeah. It's a very active thread. I see. Let's see. Is there anything else that I'm missing here that I can't probably can't think of off the top of my head? <laughs> Uh, anything that's on this list you haven't mentioned? No, I think that's everything, at least on the list that's on the website. Uh, we do. Oh, so we do have the, we have the Twitch integrations working. 
uh, by default, the oh. so so by default, those integrations don't work. Uh, the the interface for them wasn't working on Wayland. There's some some workarounds that you can do, yeah, but it yeah, doesn't yeah, work yeah. properly. But on X11, they work perfectly fine. And there's some launch options that you can use in Wayland to make them work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit hacky, but it does work. Yeah, but, it's you know, doesn't it force OBS to run through X Wayland or something like that? It, yeah, it's some something funky like that. But you know, some people like those integrations, mm -hmm. so we have those. We managed to get them from the Ubuntu package sources. Um, we do not ship any of the you know, secret stuff related to that in our package source. Uh, we strip all of that out before providing the source RPM in respect to the OBS devs. I know they don't want that stuff out there. Um, you know, if you do enough digging, you can get it. That's where we got it, but. Bottom line, you know, we want to play it safe. Right. And if they asked us to remove it, we would gladly remove it. Um, so that is just another one of those advantages. Because I know the Flatpak has that functionality too. Yeah. And a lot yeah, of people all of their Flatpak official packages have it. So Flatpak, yeah. Ubuntu. I think that's all the official packages on Linux. I could be missing one. I think those those are the main official ones. Yeah. So we want. I wanted that functionality because I use OBS a lot and. It is. It's nice to have. Yeah. Uh, right now, I think the only reason that it doesn't work on Wayland is because of a, a CEF bug, and yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, we're kind of waiting on that to get fixed before it works properly in, in Wayland again. Mm -hmm. So you were saying before that the OBS devs don't really like that you have your own custom version of OBS that you ship. Is yeah, that... it's mainly just because of the patches. That mm -hmm. I add, which it's not, it's not even really patches. It's, it's mainly just, we add extra plugins. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only other patches that we add are the AMF patch, which is, you might as well just consider that a plugin mm -hmm. and yeah, that's, that's about it. Just the plugins. We don't really add anything like customized or special to the OBS source itself directly. We're not mm -hmm. you know going in and internally deeply changing anything. And yeah, you know, anybody that opens the source RPM can see what we do. So, so it's sort of a matter of if someone's on Nabara and they report a problem, then it's unclear if it's a change that you've made or a change that's from like their repo. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, but the same thing could be said for anybody. If you're gonna if you're gonna report it to you know if you had a problem with the RPM Fusion version, you would have to report it to RPM Fusion devs or. If you had a problem with, like, say, the Arch version, you have to report oh, it to the Arch. I've looked at RP. the OBS um, forums before, and there is a, if you look up Arch OBS browser, you will find a ton of people being like, this functionality doesn't work, on, and I'm on Arch, I'm on Arch, it doesn't work. Like, And everyone's just like, yep, the Arch version is broken. Just, just, <laughs> we can't do anything about it until the Arch devs decide to fix it. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, that's that's something that's, and that's I, I understand their point of view. I understand that's why they have their flat pack. That, mm -hmm. You know, they want a way to be able to safely fix bugs and knowingly reproduce bugs. And yeah. flat pack is one of the guaranteed ways to do that for them. Mm -hmm. So with um with Nabar, like with the you've got a bunch of changes on it now, but is there anything like that you still feel like needs to be added or anything that you're working on right now that you think is like a really big addition or is it just a matter of keeping things like up to date as changes come in i would say hardware support on the kernel really mm -hmm. so like we've got a lot of stuff like custom patches and stuff on the kernel we've got our tkg zen patches 
but like um a lot of people will end up using i've noticed a lot of people end up using nobara for like maybe their asus laptop or like the asus rg ally or maybe their steam deck i, I mean i use nobara on my steam deck okay um or what else linux surface devices because we have the patches for that in there or lenovo laptops because we have the patches for that in there you know a lot of distribution you know official distributions don't ship those extra patch sets mm -hmm. but we do and that's another reason that we also have like a big disclaimer when you go to download you know our, our isos there's a big box that says hey here's your user agreement we're telling you right now this is a hobby distribution it's not made by any official company or anything like that you know we just i just out of my spare time because i want my shit to work right and that's kind of the same just as a lot of linux users so yeah, as long as you're willing to accept that and understand, hey, you know this isn't made meant for production. Don't go expecting to take this to your your day to day job, and then if something breaks, immediately requesting support. Like yeah, yeah. that's not going to work. No, that's fair. That 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 makes a lot of sense. So, well, that I guess a lot of that is then just making sure that things just keep working as updates come in. Obviously, like right. there's going to be other patch sets that need to be added if for some reason you want to get uh go along with that but you would say that the core changes you want to make are done at this point it's just adding in little things here and there yeah right on, on a day-to-day -day basis i would say regularly we keep Ma so with our mesa release mm -hmm. um what we do is most 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 distros will just release the latest version of mesa right and we know we all know that the rad v driver will constantly get updates and tweaks and fixes and sometimes it's a really good fix that you want right now and not everybody wants to go and recompile all of mesa git just to have that rad v fix so yeah. what we did is we separated mesa's mesa so the way it's packaged the, the package name is mesa vulcan drivers okay Fedora. okay that's the package name so everything that's prefixed with Mesa dash mm -hmm. is part of the, just the general Mesa build. So we took Mesa Vulcan drivers and we separated that into its own package. Okay. Well, it, it's already its own package, Ooh. but we made its own separate source RPM instead of being part of the main build. Right, right, right. And then we made it not, we made Mesa not depend on that for the installation. So you can go and that way, what it allows users to do is upgrade or downgrade mesa if they need to from major versions and still keep the stability of all their major versions and then specifically we do regular like weekly or bi-weekly updates of just mesa vulcan drivers right okay so now they're getting the latest and greatest of those mesa vulcan drivers without messing with the rest of mesa mm -hmm. and having and remaining you know keeping the stability of the rest of mesa mm, okay that makes sense that makes sense yeah it's super helpful i'm like really glad that i did that early on because we used to ship we used to just ship mesa git on our iso out of the box and we would get a problem like every other week with hey it's not working on this system or hey it's not working on that vm or yeah, yeah. hey here's xyz nvidia problem of the week and i'm like oh then finally i just said okay screw it let's go ahead and just do this and it's been way easier since then yeah it's it's always a bit rough running especially like if you are trying to do updates regularly running git packages like just even something like obviously mesa is a oh, big yeah. project but 
if even if you're running like a Git version of like a window manager, for example, like there are going to be versions that work wonderfully. But if someone commits some little thing, like there's always projects have regressions. That's just yeah. a fact of developing code. And at some point you're going to run into a regression that really gets in the way of what you're trying to do. And then you have to go work out what the problem is. And hopefully, hopefully you know what you're doing and can actually track that down somewhat easily. That is, that is hands down the blessing and curse of Arch Linux. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not everything in Arch is like by, by default, they basically miss, they pretty much just ship the latest version. Yeah. Rather than Git. But, you know, anything from the AOR, you're probably going to end up getting from Git. Um, and even like the major, even the major versions, you might, you still run into properly regressions like that. That's yeah, why, yeah, that's yeah. another reason that people instead might turn to something like Ubuntu or even for super stability Debian. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> like, like, that's the reason why. I was like, with Fedora, Fedora is really, really good. That's another reason we use Fedora as a basis because they were, they are really good mm-hmm. at, generally ironing out those bugs yeah yeah. they're not perfect you're still going to hit problems just like every other distro every once in a while but they're pretty good with Mm. you know getting new versions testing them before putting them out Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. why we use them as a base yeah actually that was one of the things that someone asked me like why specifically fedora is a base but i guess you just addressed it then unless there's anything you want to add to that it was just that and i am yeah, because I work at Red Hat and I was already using Fedora, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a given. And because I'm, I'm because of that, I'm comfortable with the Fedora build system. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Debian, I've I use, I've used it once or twice in the past for the like the build system, but I would have to kind of go and relearn a lot in terms of learning that build system to get it get everything ported. Now, um, it has crossed my mind. Like there have been discussions of porting you know rebasing on top of ubuntu in the past okay right now we're solid like i'm happy with fedora Fedora's good um we do have so there's a there's a dev in my discord very young guy but super super awesome his name is cosmo dude is a he's a 16 year old from syria and he's astounding the the stuff this guy does is insane so uh shout out to cosmo thank you so much dude he's he's helped immensely mm-hmm. uh so he he did a branch he, he kind of after after he still does work with us but he made pika os which is he took ubuntu's base okay. and he has ported a lot of the major nobara changes over to ubuntu mm. so okay. that's what it is so yeah not you know not everybody likes the fedora base or likes our like is comfortable with dnf mm-hmm or you know rpms and so in that case that's he was like hey i want to try and do this big os i was like dude go for it and if if push come to shove we've already had discussions about like if i absolutely wanted or needed to rebase on top of ubuntu we would probably just merge nobara into pika at pika os and rename you know I would like to keep the Nobara name. He at when at the time we discussed it, he wasn't opposed to it. Right, right. But we don't know. If that ever happens, that's we just I just know that it would be uh, not difficult. There is one thing I'd like to say. His website is way nicer than yours. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yours <laughs> is a giant wall. Of mine, text. dude. Mine was. Uh, I. Uh, 
and like uh, it does people rag people rag on me for using freaking WordPress, and <laughs> I just I don't care. <laughs> Here's the thing: like I'm not using I'm not using WordPress's hosting or anything like that. I use my own hosting. Right. I've used WordPress for years. I use a very limited set of plugins because we all know that's where like a shit ton of any kind of vulnerabilities come in for WordPress. Mm-hmm. So I just I it's keep it simple. If it provides what it needs and it does its job and you can use it easily, there's no reason to change it. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, other than the fact that it's butt ugly, but we'll just <laughs> putting that aside. That's why the very first sentence says it's a work in progress. Yeah. But you can get Yeah, like, your your website's just early access, uh, like all of these games that are in early access it, for it, 10 it's years. Early access for eternity. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> No. Well, we'll do something about it eventually. And like I've had, I've had people in the community that have offered. They'll say, "Hey, you know, you want me to?" Do that? And that, you know, at some point, I will go ahead and give them the yes. But right now, I just need something to be there to give people information. Right, right. So. It's not a, it's not a major deal. Like that. It, obviously, it, it, it is fun to, it, it's fun to poke fun at it. But like, it does the it job. Is, it does whatever it joke. needs to do. Like you have a download link at the top. Like that's all you need. <laughs> so. Let's go back in time a little bit. Like you, you said you've been using Linux for a really long time. So, how did you get involved in Linux just in the first place, and what sort of brought you to it? This is going to be a funny, terrible story. Okay. You know, you're uh, these days, even always, your your family has ever said, "Hey, you know, don't go talking to strangers and things like that." Right. Uh, I went into a stranger's house. And the re okay, so let me let me start. Right, right. Okay. I was I was maybe 13, 14 years old. Okay. I was riding my bike down the street. Uh-huh. And my uh, one of the neighbors on the street had this big pile of junk that they were throwing out. So I, you know, being 13, 14 year old, I immediately saw some computer stuff in there. So I started digging through their computer stores. Like, oh, what do they have here? Is there anything I can change? And at that point, my computer was a uh it was a Pentium One 75 megahertz computer. And yeah. I was going to say, do you want to age yourself? <laughs> oh, I, well, that was the first one that I had of my own. The one before that, that my family owned, was a Wang i386. I. But I didn't know too much about that one. I didn't really start getting into it until I got the, the Pentium One of my own. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, so this this neighbor had these computer parts, and I started digging into them, trying to see what I can salvage. And the neighbor came out, and you know, he came out, and he asked me, he's like, hey, do you like computers? Because he noticed what I was digging in. And I was like, yeah, I was just sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. I was just trying to figure out if there was anything that you were throwing out that I might be able to use. And he goes, you know, he, he's like, have you ever heard? And that's when he, he popped the question. Have you ever heard, ever heard of Linux? And I was like no he's like and he, he was a, he was a younger dude he was pretty chill he had a couple you know a couple people hanging out or whatnot it wasn't uh he seemed like he was safe to in my 13 year old brain for whatever right, reason right. he's like hey do you want to come see something and i was like sure what's danger let's go inside the stranger's house so I went in there and he brought me over to his computer and he showed me his computer that at that point was running i think it was it had to be it had to be either debian or mandrake one okay. of the two 
at the very beginning. But he showed it to me, and of course, he had like the Matrix screensaver and stuff on there at the time. And I just thought it was so freaking cool. And I was just like, oh, what is this? It's so cool. He showed me all the different customized window like window management stuff and theming and uh, what was the what was it called at the time where you could like zoom out the entire desktop into a cube? Um, this compass. V. It was it was fusion fusion something. Oh, I, I um, it was really old. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm. But he anyway. Yeah, he was cool. just he was showing me that stuff, and I, I just thought it was so freaking cool. And he's just like, yeah, this is yeah, this is Linux. You should check it out. And um. I think it was Debian because that's that's kind of what I remember. That was the kind of also the first distro that I like really really dug into on my own. <laughs> um, but at that point, I had, after that, I, I went home and I was I was hooked at that point because I was at that point I was thirteen forty years old, but I was all, already making like Alta Vista web pages and stuff like that, and like my own blogs and things like that. All the you know little 14, 13, 14 year old nerdy things at that time. And so I, I remember maybe like, yeah, you know, it, it, it piqued my interest. I kept using Windows at that point for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but I remember Debian in the back of my head. And then at one point I remember I had gotten an NVIDIA card and mm-hmm. I decided I was going to install Debian and try to get this NVIDIA card working on Debian at that time. And keep in mind, this was early 2000s and... NVIDIA drivers were shit, let alone trying to get them working on Debian. Right, right. I must have spent like, I don't know, maybe like two, three, four days on that thing. But I did get it working. I eventually did get it working. And once I got it working, I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. And I was hooked since then. Obviously, after I got it working, the thrill was gone. It was done. I was like, great, this is awesome. I got it working. What do I do now? I can't run any games. Let's reinstall Windows. (laughs) That was 14-year-old me. But that's that was yeah, my yeah. first dash in Linux. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years later, I got some um, Mandrake Linux I, uh, disks. I remember I had asked for them for a gift, and I got them, and I dug into Linux a little bit more at that time. But again, it didn't stick. Mm-hmm. And it, it really didn't stick until... Like my mid my my early to mid twenties when I started working for web like doing web design because at that point I wasn't gaming I was mainly just doing dev work and uh, you know that's how I learned the basic lamp stack and how I learned PHP and mm-hmm. basic HTML and CSS and Java and JavaScript well JavaScript for the web based stuff um, I didn't really get into Java later on until the Twitch stuff because I started streaming on twitch and i wanted my own twitch chat chat bot okay and uh, that was a previous existing bot that i had found that was kind of like rusty uh it needed some work and we started fixing it up um it was me and a couple of guys at that time but uh that was all java it was all java based and that you know part of the reason that we kept it all java based is that we wanted it to be cross-platform so that mm-hmm. it ran on linux and that's kind of what got me to slowly but surely stick on linux um yeah and then at that point i just had a love hate relationship between windows and linux because i wanted to game mm-hmm. and windows was hit or miss with the games and then i also wanted to use linux for all my dev stuff and ultimately i ended up just fully switching and now i do what i do now which is 
get those games running on Linux if I can. So is that part of the, like, just throwing yourself headfirst into into Linux, is that, like, part of the reason why you're... Danger in a stranger's house, throwing myself headfirst well, into that? Yeah, yeah I sure. guess that also adds <laughs> up, doesn't it? But like, is that is that part of the reason why you got interested in trying to get, like, Wine working better and yeah. now you're doing Proton GE? Yeah, it's just, you dive in headfirst. The things that I've learned is dive in headfirst. If you don't immediately make progress, don't don't just give up. Um, if you're going to distro hop, distro hop to find something that you're comfortable with. Yeah. But if you and if you find something that you're comfortable with and you hit another problem, at that point I say don't distro hop. Instead, try digging into the problem to figure out what's wrong. Because once you get to that point and you can slowly but surely start figuring out what's wrong on that one distro that you like. <laughs> you can then later on apply that elsewhere to other components, whether it's on the same distro or on a different distro. And it helps a lot to kind of get comfortable with Linux in general, rather than, you know, I get new people all the time that come in and they're just like, Oh, you know, I've tried like four different distros. I can't get this thing to work. It's like, well, you know, under the hood, they're kind of sort of all the same thing. Maybe yeah. you should uh, look under the hood or at least try. And what's the point if if it's if it's already broken? How worse can you make it? Especially, or how much worse can you make it? Especially if you're just going to consider reinstalling anyway. Mm. You might as well just try and try and fix it if you can. I've never really been one to distro. Like I've I've used other distros before. Um, when I was studying, I used Ubuntu a bit. I used CentOS a bit. But Arch is like the place that I've been. Like. Was there ever a period where you were doing distro hopping or had you just found like places you were comfortable stuck with that until you found something better and then oh, before yeah. Arch for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, I, I had been introduced to Debian. I had used Mandrake. At one point I had Red Hat discs that I had never really messed with. Um, Ubuntu, I had used, again, I, I had started using Ubuntu mm -hmm. shortly before I got into using Arch. And then once I got into Arch and I learned that, you know, I started learning a lot about Arch. Mm -hmm. um, that was also the same time that I had started making my my Arch install YouTube videos. Like I had one each year that I would put out Wait, do they and exist? they blew up like way, way, way earlier. They, they like super blew up. Are they just on the Glory Sacred channel or down on the channel? I think they're on there. They're probably in the Linux Guides channel. I haven't uploaded in quite a while. I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm periodic with it. Like I would love to be consistent, nice. but I'm so busy, man. Um, yeah, I can't. It's that's not something that I can do on my my day to day basis currently. Yeah, yeah. I would right. absolutely love to, and I know people out there still watch my stuff all the time, and they love it when I upload stuff. I just, man, I just not enough time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I I totally get that. that, that so. What do we have? We have 2016 Arch Linux Network Manager Wi-Fi <laughs> Setup Guide. 2016 Arch Linux EFI Install Guide Part 1 Preparation Disposition. That is a title and a half. 2017 oh, yeah. Arch Linux EFI Install Guide. Oh, there's a Part 2 of the EFI Install Guide of 2016. Arch Linux How to Install Wine with All Dependencies. These are great titles. I love these titles. Uh, <laughs> oh, the oldest one. 2015 Arch Linux EFI Install Guide Part 1 Preparation Dispartitioning. You know, to this day, mm -hmm. the network one that's on there. Yeah. I still get comments to this day with that network one that with people that are like, dude, this fixed my issue. And it's from like 10 years ago. 
And I'm like, hey, it's kind of crazy how relevant that still is, isn't it? That's nuts. Four months ago, seven years later, still useful. One year ago. Yeah, Thanks see. a lot, sir. Fix my Wi-Fi and XFC uh, <laughs> arch. This six-year tutorial will help me. Cheers. Yep. That's it's still great. useful. That's why I keep it up there, because it's, it's still useful information. And mm -hmm. even to this day, most of the stuff still sticks. And, like, I remember when I had first gotten started, and I went and posted those, those guys on the arch reddit mm -hmm. and you know how the arch reddit goes with pretty much anything that's a that's a guide yep. it's like why are you gonna post this it's gonna be obsolete in a year you're not gonna keep up with it i'm, just, I'm, a, I'm mm -hmm. at this point i'm like look you're not wrong but a lot of the information is still useful yeah like and it still helps the community out like uh that's just the arch reddit being arch reddit yeah well I'm surprised there wasn't, like, more pushback about, like, um, Arch install being added into the Arch ISO, the CLI installer. Yeah. Yeah, I could see I could see people getting angry about that. But at the same time, it's like, it is an amazing learning tool. Mm -hmm. It's excellent for people to read the documentation, but it's terrible for user adoption. Well, I think you should go through that manual install process. But, oh yeah, I fully agree. Like, I don't, I don't want. Like, I've done it like a bunch of times. I don't want to do it again. Like, I know yeah, how to do that's, it. See, that's the thing. Is like you have the people that have never done it and should learn it, and that's what it's great for. But at the same time, you have the people who have used it for years and don't want to go through that process for the five hundred millionth time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, that, I guess that, that was that's part of the reason why you made Navarro as well. Like you. Yeah, exactly. Have, have, yep. You've made these changes a bunch of times before, so might as well just put them all in one place and just basically. Exactly. Like, I'll, I've said this about a bunch of distros, but your distro very much so. Your distro is basically a glorified install script in the form of an ISO. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, it's just, it just puts, like, you don't have to worry about install. Like, I, some, someone did ask me, like, why isn't Nabara just an install script? But, like, there's no point. Like running all these changes locally when you can just do them all like once and then distribute like that as like, a complete thing. Well, not only that, but bug reporting. Like mm -hmm. if I made an install script and then it was still, you know, Fedora, mm -hmm. people would start opening bugs for Fedora. Right, and Fedora right. devs would turn around and tell them, oh, you got a third party package here or all oh, you have a custom this and that here. Uh, we can't help you with that. Mm -hmm. You know what are they going to do at that point? They're on Fedora, and the Fedora devs are telling them, "Hey, that's not our stuff." Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a, I actually Whereas, didn't saw that. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. So now you know I have my Discord. I don't. So a lot of people get annoyed with me with not having bug trackers open now for Proton. Um, I don't have bug trackers open for Proton because there are a million repeated questions that just happen on a daily basis that I don't want on that tracker. Mm -hmm. But for Nobara, I actually have uh, the bug tracker open for the Nobara images, the Nobara ISO images. There's a repo for that. And I do get bugs that are open regularly on that, that I handle. Um, anything that's not there, again, we either pin it in Discord and most of the stuff that's pinned in Discord, I will also make a document for on the web page. Mm -hmm. That's why we have our our document section. So well, a lot of people may not know that, but you know, if it's if it's not if it's pinned in Discord and you don't use Discord, check the documents section mm -hmm. of our website because that's it's likely there. Well, with 
YNGE and Proton GE, I could imagine a lot of people sending you bug reports that should just be upstreamed. Like, they're not problems that you have in your project. It's just a more general Proton or Wine problem. Uh, well, let's, again, that's why we have the separate channels in our Discord. Like, I have a Proton Wine no, the, Discord. Uh, or... What I mean is, like, if you have, like, the bug reports open on the repo. Yeah, well, I mean, luckily, we actually don't get too much of that with the okay. Nobara images um, repositories. So surprisingly, there's not a lot of bugs open on that, thankfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I do try to handle the ones that I, I can, and if it's in the wrong place, I will just straight up tell them, hey, you know, this is a problem with XYZ component that isn't part of Nobara, but we thankfully don't get too much of that on right. the Nobara side. <laughs> on the Proton side, we get that all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, that's what I was more concerned about, like, Consider like protons a more widespread thing than just Nabara is. Yeah, yeah. With proton, I used to get that like all the freaking time. And uh, for me, as much as people absolutely hate it, Discord is just easier for me. Like I, I'm one guy. I can't track five hundred thousand uh, bug reports that are open on. You know, you might if if I had those open and somebody had a problem and I got like say 100 bug reports in a day, mm-hmm. their issue would immediately get knocked off the top of the page, and mm-hmm. I would not see it. Right. And I'm the I'm pretty much the only person that works mainly on Proton GE for regular maintenance. Mm-hmm. I do you know we do get a lot of people that'll submit fixes for like Proton fixes or mm-hmm. for like FSR or specific components or patches, but for keeping everything going on a regular day to day basis, it's just me like. I can't go through all of that. It's easier for me to see it on Discord. That makes sense. So, you obviously have to like test a lot of games to make sure things are working. But what games are you just finding yourself just regularly playing now? Like, what? What? Uh, what, what are you, I know for I know fourteen. We talked about that a little bit yeah, before. Yeah, fourteen. Uh, Diablo is a big mm-hmm. one. Like, um, you know, people love it or hate it. I've I played Diablo three for. God knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm not as I'm not as high level as some people who still played it like nonstop. But I think when I quit, I was like maybe around 500 something Paragon levels. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I had sunk in a massive amount in that game. And by the time you know when Diablo 4 came out, I was stoked. I was so happy that game came out. So I, I jumped into that. Uh, you know, got a level 50 something character, beat the campaign. And now I have a level 40-something hardcore character, and I'm slowly but surely working my way through that whenever I have free time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I used to play a lot of Warframe 2. Uh, okay. I don't I don't play Warframe too much these days. Mainly I just pop in if somebody has a problem, check it out. But um, that used to be a big one on my list. These days it's mainly just FF14 and Diablo. <laughs> that takes up enough time by itself. Just, yeah. just Occasionally occasionally i'll hop into like a single player game just to you know enjoy the story for a little bit like yeah. uh i think one of the other ones that i started playing a while was god god of war the first one um you know even though it's been out a while i still have the, the first it one or the reboot first one the reboot first okay, one right, right, right. Okay. yeah 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 so that one uh another one that i was hooked on for a little while was horizon zero dawn okay uh, a lot of the PlayStation titles that mm-hmm. have come to PC, like uh, those, I generally get hooked to those pretty quick. So, mm-hmm. 
yeah but on a day on a regular daily basis pretty much just diablo or ff14 mm -hmm. well actually we'll talk about this before but i do want you to bring up like how long you've been playing 14 for because like way longer than i have <laughs> uh so i i don't i don't know the year okay it was a long time ago but i did i, I played the ff14 original beta before they redid it as a Rome Reborn. So I played the beta. I wasn't a regular in the original release. I had just I had played the beta and then I I've played like officially played since a Rome Reborn released. Okay, okay. The game was a very I've seen like videos of like changes over the years and the game was a very very different yeah. game back. The things have been very streamlined now. Yeah. And like even though even though I didn't like super officially play before Realm Reborn, I have all of the physical collector's editions, including the original Final Fantasy XIV collector's edition release, not and the Realm Reborn release, both of them. So and I have it's cool. Like I, I'm just, I'm just, I look at it now. And like I have all the little collector stuff from the original release on my account too, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I got this stuff. Nobody else has. <laughs> So was it, tweaks. was it the like 14 spoke to you or had you been a big Final Fantasy fan before? I that? have been a big Final Fantasy fan for a long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, up until, so up until uh, I want to say 12, I think 12 is when I stopped. I played everything up until 12. Um, oh. Oh. A Cage <laughs> playing through 12 right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's I think that's where I stopped. I played everything else up until then. I own all of them on Steam, mm -hmm. like all of them. I, every time there's a new one that comes out, I'm immediately like, give me, give me. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. It was it was also it also came in in a time where I was kind of burnt out on WoW. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. I had played WoW for a little while. Um, I played it on and I played it on on and off until up all the way up from release through. Uh, at least through Warlord to Draenor. About that time is when I stopped. Jeez. I've, yeah, I've, I've, I used to be a huge MMO fan. Like, I've played, I played through all of the main stuff on Swator. I played all through um, ESO when I came out. I, I played both of those since release. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Final Fantasy XIV, OG WoW. Um, Shoot, OG WoW was another one that I, I had played when I when I was like 15, 16 years old. I had to be sixteen because I remember at that time I had also worked at an internet cafe. Um, yeah, so I've I've had my share of RPGs. Mm -hmm. I I didn't I had friends that were like really into WoW that were trying to get me to play it at one point, but by that point I was I was in high school. I was already burnt out of MMOs because I I played RuneScape. From 2000 and whatever year the Grand Exchange was added, like 2006, 2007, up until Evolution of Combat. Uh, so RuneScape 3, where a, a bunch of people quit because they were sick of they, they didn't that, know, like, the direction it was going. That is one that I never got into. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I've logged in. I've played maybe an hour or two of it. Sure, sure. But I, I never like fully dived into RuneScape. Out of all the all the RPG, all the old RPGs that are out there, that was one that I never dived, like deeply dived into. Well, RuneScape's a very different kind of MMO to modern games. Like modern MMOs are all about the end game. 
RuneScape obviously now has it has some raids, it has some endgame content, but like the entire game is the leveling experience. Like you cannot <laughs> play RuneScape without the leveling experience. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, much you know, you, I don't know like, you could say that about a lot of MMOs these days now. Like mm. Final Fantasy fourteen is mm. a perfect example like of that. The leveling experience well, okay. It's more I the story experience with fourteen rather than the, the story experience. experience, yeah. Leveling um, is leveling, sort of mind numbing. I would say up until around level thirty, yes. Sure, yeah. Level thirty is when it really kind of starts taking off. And I also uh, that's also why I'm really glad that they eventually included Heaven's Ward in the trial. Now Stormblood with the next patch. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, really happy that they did that because the original game, the, A Realm Reborn by itself, was just not enough to get a good experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of the jobs just don't really... Some of them right now is probably the only job that feels... Because it doesn't get any more buttons. It just stops with getting more buttons after like oh, 56 <laughs> or something. That just changes what the button looks like. But a lot of the jobs just don't start playing properly until at least level 60 or 70. Like playing yep. playing a level 50 Sage, for example, like the job just doesn't work. Like you can get... All the content's easy. You can get through it, but it just doesn't... It doesn't flow like it's supposed to, or playing a dancer right. at that level, or playing a dark knight at that level. Like a lot of these jobs just don't work at level fifty. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of feel a little bit that way with samurai. Like I play samurai currently, is. and it was such a change for me because I went, I, I started as pugilist, and then went monk, and yeah, then yeah. went yeah, and pugilist was uh, too much for me. Uh, <laughs> Then I went Ninja, and Ninja was a blast. Ninja was a lot of fun to play. Mm -hmm. um, and then I switched from Nin when when Stormblood came out. Uh, despite a lot of people not liking Stormblood, I loved Stormblood. I mm -hmm. had a lot of fun in it. And when I, the reason that I switched for to Samurai wasn't for the PVE or the raids of the story. It was because Samurai is a blast to play in PvP. And PvP in that game is not as big as other games, but mm -hmm. oh man, I had Wait, so that, much. Yeah, that was when PvP was was the disaster. I guess yeah, a lot of the jobs just yeah. Old like summon of <laughs> PvP didn't make any sense, but I guess yeah, I guess uh, maybe Samurai was good. at that time was so much fun because mm -hmm. yeah, they so they have a lot of they have a lot of dashes. Well, yeah. I don't know if you would call it a lot, but samurais have gap closers yeah 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 and that was one of the things that made it really fun in pvp is that you could just gap close and it was you know they have that global cooldown but it wasn't so much of a problem for samurai as it was for some other classes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with with uh you know if i did pvp for ninja i oh god i was getting my ass whooped but like i <laughs> when i switched to samurai is like Swing this way, knock a couple people, or knock one or two people down. Zoom over this way, and knock a couple people down. It was so much easier. It was just a lot of fun. That's what got me hooked on samurai. What? I'm still samurai currently, but I'll probably change when I start like really picking up the game. I don't think I've played samurai PvP. I've unlocked samurai. I've played like a little bit of it, but right now I'm playing. Uh, I'm I'm going through the story as Sage, like just through the Endwalker stuff. Um, I've got. Both Sage and Reaper to 90, so I could play either of them. Um, but when I first started the game, I picked a Gladiator and turns into Paladin. Uh, I, I Paladin's great, but 
I don't know, like... I know a lot of people can... If you want to want to see people just whining about stuff, just go to the FF14 forums. They're always <laughs> complaining about something. But I, I think all the jobs are fun to play. There's a bunch that I still need to, to get around to messing with. Like, I need to mess around with Red Mage still. I need to uh, unlock Dragoon. But of the jobs that I have played, which is the majority of them, they're all fun to play in their own way. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the next class that I'll probably try is uh, Gunslinger. Gunslinger looks pretty cool. The, uh, wait... Do you mean or was it machinist gunbreaker yeah machinist machinist yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh the one with guns yeah yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty much the only one with guns well when dawn trail comes out i don't know we maybe like we know the the new job has a sword but if it's a pirate they're probably gonna have a gun in their offhand maybe. no just reintroduce gun blades problem solved well gun, machinist uh gunbreaker is a gun blade yeah okay I yeah, you're right. So, I, oh man, I forgot that the class exists. <laughs> so wait, they've introduced so many classes now. Yeah, like, I I don't want to be anywhere near that balance team. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> well, I mean, that's also probably why the game is very much PVE focused and yeah. not PVP focused. Well, it doesn't have at least in the PVP, it doesn't have the wow problem of being geared PVP. Yeah. Yeah, and while well, the other problem with that is, WoW has their their PvP specific year, then they have to balance that out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's always been a problem. So, how far are you actually have you, have you played through all the story of fourteen? Or are you still making your way through? Uh, I'm still making my way through Endwalker right now. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I I had I had recently finished Shadowbringers, so right. I'm still like early on in Endwalker, just kind of making my pace whenever i hop into the game no that's fair that's fair i guess you got a bunch of other things that are more important to be doing than just <laughs> <playing> 14. <laughs> love the game to death but there's just uh there's a lot of stuff yeah well actually i guess one other thing i'll bring up is i i see on your twitter you randomly post some anime stuff i saw that you'll you so see, you're caught up on on One Piece by the looks of it. I'm. Oh yes. I'm actually. <laughs> I I made the mistake of recently starting to watch it, so I'm, I'm like seventy episodes in. It's great. It's it's great. Oh good. So you fought. You passed Usopp's story. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Usopp's story that was, was the first point. Where it was a little bit rough. Yeah, it was. I would say out of the entire beginning, mm. Usopp's was the worst. That was the hardest for me to get through. With I, the stupid cat I don't know if you're gonna remember <laughs> this part of it, but I'm up to the island with the two giants uh, that were fighting. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, that's a pretty good storyline. That, yeah. the, the Elbath, mm. Elbath, Elbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. El I don't Elbath. remember if it's. I think it's Th. Yeah, it's fake backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you didn't. No, I never, I never thought about that. You're like, oh, it's Fable backwards. It's like, well, holy shit, you learn something new every day. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. I, I, did, I, I'm trying to remember what comes next. I think, I, I think Chopper comes up soon. I've read most. I, so oh, I, you haven't gotten the Chopper yet. So I've read the manga a long time ago. I got up to Whole Cake. So I've, I've read through all this. Oh stuff, wow! But it was okay, so, I read when Whole Cake was current there. content. So I've forgotten everything that's happened. That's that. Well, if you if you've gotten up to whole cake, you're you're pretty close because whole cake came before Wayno. There's a whole bunch of yeah. stuff that happens in Wayno, but yeah, um, but 
Hulk, Hulk came right before that. Yeah, now I'm just going back and watching it. And watching it is a whole different experience. I know, like, major story beats, like, you know, Ace dies, Skypea, things like that. I, I know these big events, but I don't remember any of, like, the in-between stuff. <laughs> Are you... So, I'm assuming you're watching Sub, but... Yeah. Um, if you get bored one day, mm. uh, I would say check out the dub, especially like maybe maybe at least for like the Skypea arc. Okay, because the voice acting for the dub is great <laughs> for for the English dub, and in particular the Skypea act, the uh, Sp- Skypea arc was one of my favorites, and <laughs> Zoro is really funny in that arc. So um, Luffy, obviously Luffy's got his moments where he's making fun of various people. But uh, in general, I actually had watched the English dub up through, uh, I probably through, I know through Skypea at least. Mm -hmm. And then when the English dub ended, I was like, well, shit, there's no more any more English episodes for me to watch. But I want to keep watching the rest Mm -hmm. of it. So that's when I switched back. I switched over to sub. And it's like, I don't have any um, anything in sub. I like subs. Most of the stuff that I watch is in subs. But sometimes, like I'm multitasking, and it's easier just sure. for me to hear what's going on. Didn't know that. That's totally fair. Um, I, 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 I've picked up enough Japanese being a weeb over the years that I can half pay attention now. <laughs> it's it's good. If you ask me to speak any Japanese, I can't do it. But if you're, oh yeah, if I'm I like can't. passively <laughs> paying attention to a conversation, like I can understand enough to like you know, if I've got some like clothes that need to be put away like i can step away for a moment and still follow along what's going on yeah but yeah (laughs) at some point in the future i'll eventually catch up on uh on one piece but that's a while away i did see that you were watching uh bocce recently as well yep i finished bocce bocce was hilarious it's freaking awesome that was uh (laughs) that was not expected like every once in a while you gotta you gotta watch something different yeah yeah, i you have your your typical, you know, Shonen Jump stuff. You have your typical uh, Isekai stuff, and your typical fantasy stuff. And then every once in a while, you just gotta watch something different. Mm-hmm. And Bochi is one of those shows that's just like, oh so my is that, God, this that's is not normally what you'd go for. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it de- it, it all depends on what my mood is. Sure, sure. Like I've I've watched all the typical stuff, and then like. Uh, What was the other one? Uh, something something is a girl with a redhead. Where it's a it's like this girl that's a tomboy, and she has this best friend, and she's had a crush on him for forever, and she's trying to get him to realize that he, she's a girl and has that kind of interest in him. Um, oh, um, Tama is a girl. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So that was also a really good one. Um. <laughs> her the the guy that she's interested in that's her best friend and her other girl best friend they just hate each other and they just go at each other's throats non-stop and it's like bro you guys are brutal but it's so funny it was oh man that's this is one of those other like off-ball ones that i really enjoyed i don't know how i haven't watched that because i remember seeing like as the manga was being translated, like it just got posted on Reddit for like years and years. Like I'd I'd seen so much of it already, but somehow the anime slipped by me. I think I checked yeah, it out. It's it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. I I've seen a lot of the the 
a lot of the animes that have short runs, I've probably watched. Right, right. And ma- the main reason for that is that exercise bike behind me. That's as soon as I get off of work, I do that for an hour, and I it's right in front of the TV. So I'll pop in like two or three episodes of whatever I'm watching at that time, and you know, week goes by, I'm done with the season. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Yeah. If anyone uh, wants to make cardio less boring, just watch something. Cardio. <laughs> it, the only reason people don't like cardio is because it's boring. Just you have a phone. Just put put something on your phone. Just. Yeah, the biggest thing is just to take your mind off of counting down the time. Yeah. Because you're going to be out of breath. You're going to be sweating. It's going to suck. Well, for but me, if you're it, not paying attention to that, then time goes by pretty quick. For me, I've tried to use music. The problem with music is I very quickly realize how long songs are, and then I start counting songs, which gives me the exact <laughs> same problem. So I need something where it's like, you know, with obviously an anime is going to be like 20 something minutes long, but like, that's a bit longer of a time. And also, it's hard to work out, especially if you've not seen the episode before, where in the episode you are. When it's songs you've heard, like, you know how far in that song you are. Yeah. And also, the other thing with anime, though, is, like, if you're watching a really good part of the story arc, and, like, the episode, like, say say you're on the bike, mm-hmm. episode ends, you start the next episode the time that you need to be on the bike ends, but the episode's still going and it's like at a really intense part, you might be so, I've, I've had times where I'm so tuned into the episode and then I look at the time on my bike and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to end 10, 15 minutes ago. Whoops. Oh, well. And at that point, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. 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 It's re- it's better to just forget that you're actually doing that than constantly keeping tabs on it. It's like, oh God, can I get off this thing yet? <laughs> you know? Well, I guess with that, we sort of, Past the two-hour mark now. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Time goes by fast. <laughs> that flew by. <laughs> so let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your stuff, uh, whatever you want to direct people to. Okay. Uh, well, my Discord. If you got, if anybody has questions for like Nobara or, um, you know, Proton GE or anything like that, Discord is the easiest spot for me to see that. Oh, so you manage them both from you... the same Discord, do you? Yep, yep. It's all from the same Discord. It's linked on the Nabara webpage, uh, bottom right corner for the Discord. Uh, YouTube, even though I'm not active on there, if people do end up commenting on one of my YouTube comments, I see those almost immediately because <laughs> I always have my email up. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much... Yeah, if you need to contact me, that's where I am. Uh, I, I will, again, really shout out my, my Patreon uh subscribers uh i'm not asking for patrons here at all that's not the point here my point is to super shout out the patrons that i do have because Mm -hmm. you guys are awesome um there have been people on there that have supported me for years now and i am ever great like never endingly grateful for those people yeah there is a lot of generous people in this space like i've had people on mine who've been there for like three or four years like and I look at on Patreon, you can see like how the total of how much they've given. You're like, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could buy a car with that. <laughs> it adds up over time, man. It's it's really awesome to see people that are just like super helpful and supportive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so there's nothing else you want to mention? Is that? Nothing? That's it. That's all I got, pretty oh, much. Cool. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, as for me, the gaming channel is Brodeon Games. Right now, I'm still playing through Final Fantasy 16. Uh, I almost done with this. Probably got like another three or four streams left. Um, also, I'm probably done with Portal Co-op by the time this comes out. So, I have no idea what I'll be playing. Maybe God of War 2. Maybe a Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. Come over to the stream and you'll see what I'm playing. I, I have no idea. Because uh, this is coming out in like a couple of weeks. Um, main channel, Brody Robertson. Do Linux videos there six days a week. There'll be videos there. I don't know. Check them out. Something fun probably. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, the video version can be found on YouTube at Tech Over T. If you're watching the video, you can find the audio pretty much on any audio podcast platform. There is an RSS feed. Put it in your favorite app and you're good to go. So I'll give you the final word. What do you want to say? Thank you, everybody that tuned in. Thank you, everybody that's hanging out. Thank you, everybody that watched. Well, that uh, hung out and watched. There's nobody live hanging out, but thank you. Absolutely. And see you guys later.